This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the Resurrection Sunday evening worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, April 9th, 2023. The title of the message is The Hope of Resurrection. Well, if you would open your Bibles with me, we, um, on this Resurrection Sunday, uh, we look at the hope of resurrection in First Peter, Paul, Peter's epistle, first epistle, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It'll be, um, I'll read the first five verses, but uh, we, I will um, focus my, uh, my sermon this evening uh, on the last three verses, verse 3 to 5. Hear now then the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And this is the reading of God's holy word. Uh, just to give you a little bit of context, the Apostle um, Peter is writing this letter to encourage and comfort um, the, the believers, the, the particular church in these regions, because they're probably suffering great persecution, very much like what we uh, prayed for this evening, thinking about uh, Christians in Russia and Ukraine and Pakistan in in, in India and uh, parts of Africa and in the Middle East. And, and because they're undergoing this uh, intense persecution, Paul is encouraging them in their faith. And so Peter wants to give them hope by reminding them of the hope of, of their future inheritance uh, that they have in Christ and that suffering has a purpose because Jesus also suffered. And so this brings us then um, to this section. And, uh, and so uh, it, it's just, just a reminder as well that uh, it applies to us as, you know, we may not be, being, we may not be persecuted in the same way as uh, P- Peter's original audience but uh, we have our own difficulties that we have to uh, see from a gospel perspective that encourages us. And so, you know, it just makes me think about uh, uh, Viktor Frankl. Uh, Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And, um, and what he says uh, is interesting because he is a, uh, con- a, a World War II concentration camp survivor. And he wrote this about his experience. The loss of hope and courage can have a deadly effect on a man. And he wrote it 
um, because he observed in those concentration camps uh, the difference between those who would fight to stay alive and those who would give up because they had no hope. That you would have two men, you know, approximately the same uh, uh, stature, the same build, the same health, and one would have a hopelessness and another one would have a hope that they're clinging to, however small it might be. And that, that made all the difference between survival because that person without hope, uh, he had nothing to live for. But the one who did have hope held on to something to live for and therefore they would fight to go forward. And that's how hope functions uh, in the Christian life in many ways. That it is, it is that power within us to look forward to the certainty of, of God's promises. And in that certainty is hope. And through that hope is, is the, 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 the power to persevere whatever the circumstances. And so how much more then is it important for us to have a hope to which we cling to and we're certain of that gives us the power to persevere whatever may happen and, uh, and it's not an uncertain hope, right? It's almost like, you know, I hope that something is true. It's, this is, that's not the kind of hope that Paul, that Peter is describing here. But it's a certain hope, a hope that is for sure, it's just a matter of time before it's realized. And so it's a guaranteed hope of glory. And so Peter encourages us with that certainty of the Christian hope that comes to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the very resurrection itself is the certainty of hope for us. And that's what we celebrate this evening uh, on this Resurrection Sunday. That it's, uh, it is the hope of our resurrection because Jesus was raised from the dead. So I want us to look at two things this evening uh, that ought to empower us to persevere. The first is the hope of new life. That the new life that Christ has through his resurrection is the hope of new life for us through his resurrection. And then secondly, the hope of eternal security. That, uh, that the apostle uh, Peter is saying that, that the hope of, of riches that God has promised us in the gospel is secure. And because of that, we can persevere. No one can take it away. It's, it is there in heaven. Uh, untouched, undefiled, waiting for us. And, and so we can persevere because we know uh, the end of the story. So let's look at our passage this evening. First, we have then the hope of new life. Peter's letter is addressing Christians undergoing persecution, as I've mentioned, uh, around it, it, what, is, what is considered modern-day Turkey, right? That's, you got, you got Pontus, Galatia, Galatia Cappadocia, uh, Asia and Bithynia. It's just that kind of mod- what we consider modern-day Turkey. And what better way to encourage these Christians than by beginning his letter with this hope, uh, this hope, this certain hope of, of, of resurrection and glory. Look at verse 3. Blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that he begins with praise is instructive for us. I don't know about you, but when I'm suffering and going through a difficult time, my first reaction is to feel sorry for myself. 
um, is to feel sorry for myself, to, to fall into despair, be dejected. But what does Peter do here when he knows that, that uh, these Christians are, are falling into despair? What does he do? He teaches, he tells them, don't look, at, don't look at yourself, don't look at your circumstances. Praise the Lord. Bless him. Worship him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we take our eyes off of ourselves and we have a bigger vision of a bigger framework by which to see ourselves in the world, our problems um, maybe become smaller, right? Uh, Maybe they become less important. Uh, The impact of those difficulties are not as bad as we thought when we put our eyes uh, and fix our eyes up up to the greatness and grandness, the immensity, the glory, the beauty of God. And then when we look at our problems, maybe they're just not as big as we thought they were. It's a matter of perspective and a matter of proportion. And so, um, so he's pointing them to praise in the midst of their persecution and, um, and so why should we then bless God, right? So we bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Why? Because look at what he goes on to say in verse 3. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. You see, in the midst of our suffering, what is going to get us through it all, what is going to give us a reason to go on and live, is hope. It's a living hope the mercy that God has given to us, uh, the life that God has given to us. And it's a hope that God gives us then through his mercy. Not only is he then the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but here's the thing, he is our Father. He is our God and Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if we take that for granted, that the God of heaven and earth isn't just our God. He's not just the deity to whom we pray. He is not just the almighty powerful one to whom we serve, but he's more than that. He's infinitely more intimately related and connected to us to where we call him father. Where we can cry out to him, we can go to him. Uh, Our own own fathers are just a faint Uh, imperfect though they are, flawed though they are, the same idea of relationship between us and our our fathers, uh, of that intimacy that we can call upon uh, uh, them, uh, whatever, through thick and thin, how much greater is that intimacy then with God who is our father? And then it is the same Father who causes us to be born again, who gives us new life. And we are born again by him. So what does that make us? It makes us his children. That's the whole idea here of of the language of being born again, uh, of blessing God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's our Father. He gives us life, and therefore we are his children. We who are dead in our trespasses and sins, children of wrath, without hope and without God in the world, by his mercy we are born again. Through no merit of our own, by his grace we become his children. Peter's whole letter rests on this one truth. 
that God, that God raises us to be born again, to be his children. And if we are raised from spiritual death to life, then we have a living hope. The scriptures tell us uh, that dead people don't live. Here, I know that just seems very like uh, straightforward, but I think we take it for granted. Uh, that the, the, we have to ask ourselves: Can dead men walk? Uh, can they dream? Can they hope? Uh, the answer is no. Dead, dead people have a dead hope. But what about those who are alive, those who are born again? Here's the point. People, uh, Peter is saying, if you are born again, then you can hope. And, and, if, and because you're living, that hope is living. Living people have a living hope. Matthew Henry um, says that being born again, he says this about being born again. That uh, born again, being born again produces a lively hope of eternal life. Every unconverted person is a hopeless creature. Whatever he pre- pretends to of that kind is all confidence and presumption. The right Christian hope is what a man is begotten again unto by the Spirit of God. It is not from nature but free grace. Those who are begotten to a new and spiritual life are begotten to a new and spiritual hope. Do you see that? If, if you have new and spiritual life, then you have new and spiritual hope. And, and that's what being born again uh, endows upon us. So we live in order to hope and we hope in order to live. And it is a hope that keeps us alive when times are dark. It supports us when we are down. It strengthens us when we are weak. Hope gives wings to our faith and carries us through difficulties up to heaven. So if God is the cause of our new life in living hope, then how does God do that? Look at the rest of verse 3. He does it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the heart of Peter's whole message. The whole apostolic gospel turns on this truth, that God does everything in the gospel, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, uh, what are we born? What, what? Why are we born again? We're born again from death to new life through the resurrection of Christ. Um, our new birth is is uh, maybe a way to think about it is that same power that raised Jesus from the, from death to life is the same power then that causes us to be born. Again, And so it's a kind of spiritual resurrection and renewal. And, um, and so this happens then uh, by virtue of our union with Christ, that he uh, represents us and by his spirit he unites us to himself. And so that the same power that resonates uh, through him flows to us. And it has the same kinds of effects from death to life. We are in him and he in us. What happens to him is given to us. If he is raised, we experience those effects. uh, uh, And it begins with the new birth. It's like connecting a lamp to the outlet. The resurrection power of Christ is the power that flows and it lights 
It lights us and it keeps us alive. And this brings me then to my second point. We have the hope also not only of new life, but of eternal security. That here's why God gives us new life, so that our security is uh, assured and it is forever. As I mentioned before, God gives new life as God gives us new life as his children. And if we are his children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, his only begotten son. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And if a son, then an heir through God. The Spirit, Paul says this in Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. See, if we are heirs through Christ, then we will have an inheritance through him. That's the whole idea of being an heir, is we are, we, the, the inheritance then comes to us and belongs to us through Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, from the dead. If you go on, look at what he goes on to say. What are we, what are we um, uh, born again to through that resurrection? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Through the resurrection, we become sons. Through the resurrection, we have an inheritance. An inheritance that is imperishable. It can never be destroyed or laid to waste, Paul uh, Peter literally says there. No matter what happens, it stands forever. It's undefiled. No one can mess with it. It's incorruptible, and because of that, it can never spoil or go bad. It's also unfading, right? It will never fall away, dry up, and wither. It will stand forever. Peter's language here is reminiscent of Old Testament descriptions of Israel's inheritance of the promised land. Uh, when, when Israel broke uh, covenant with God, God sent and allowed, he allowed invading armies to lay waste. That's the language, right? Uh, uh, to lay waste to the land, to make it perish, to perish, uh, bring about perishing of crops, of homes, of treasure, of land. And when they worshipped idols on the promised land, they defiled the land to where it, 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 is, it wasn't, it's not holy anymore. Uh, all the blessings that God had promised uh, were associated with the holiness uh, of, of the promised land. And so when, when uh, the invading armies came and defiled it with their idolatry, all of that was undone. And when they continued in sin, when the people continued to worship idols along with those invading armies, God withheld rain, so everything withered and faded away. Now that's where we get this, the, all the, uh, you get the language of in the, prom, in the Old Testament prophets where the land, where the sky was like iron and uh, the ground became hard because there was no rain. And we know what it's like living in California when it's, when it's drought ridden, the, 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 the ground becomes dry and cracked and brittle, as hard as cement. Uh, 
Uh, but now look, I mean, all the rain, I mean, some, maybe we got a little bit too much rain, right? But, uh, but now the, our lawns are like verdant and green and rich. Uh, maybe a lot of them, some of them are, are, um, uh, are weeds rather than grass, but it's green nonetheless. Or go out into the desert. You see vast swaths of land covered in wildflowers. I mean, the, the super blooms. I guess this year it makes it then the, the super, super blooms. Um, and, and so what, what, uh, what Peter is describing here is that uh, unlike the perishable, fading, and defiled uh, promised land that God had promised to the people, we have the opposite of that. We have undefiled, unfading, um, holy uh, and certain inheritance. Um, and, and it's because of God's mercy to us, who is our treasure, our inheritance, our riches, uh, and it is being kept in heaven. That, this is important. This is important because it's being kept in heaven for you. Uh, just recently, you know, we've had several banks here in Southern California go, go belly up. And as soon as people got wind of some of these banks that, uh, that they didn't have enough money to give everyone um, back their deposits, people made a run for it because they, were, they weren't sure if, there was, if the money was going to run out because people were taking all of their money out. And, and so where they placed it was completely insecure. And, uh, and what quelled the run on deposits was the government coming in and saying, we will make sure that everybody uh, has their money. In other words, they guaranteed it. And it makes all the difference then for God to guarantee and to promise uh, uh, where our inheritance lies, that, that he'll never run out, it will never be taken away, it'll never fade away, it'll never be lost, is in, is in, uh, the, is in the deposits and the security of heaven itself. Uh, the infinite riches of his glory is what guarantees um, the inheritance that we is promised to us, and um, and it's it, it, and it it is this inheritance that that the Lord Jesus refers to when he talks about um, you know laying up treasures for yourself in heaven, right? Where neither moth nor rust destroy, and thieves uh, cannot break in and steal. That our inheritance is eternal, sec- eternally secure for us. Because it is in heaven. No one can touch it. Uh, that's the most safe and secure bank, if you will, uh, in all the universe. Um, and it is guaranteed because it's backed by the Lord. And because we have this eternal secure, this eternal inheritance, we are also eternally secure in our salvation. Let me explain. If God keeps our inheritance for us, then he will keep us for our inheritance. Do you see that? If God, let me say that one more time. If God keeps our inheritance for us, then he will also keep us 
for our inheritance. Peter talks now um, about us who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed for in the last time. Those two words kept and guarded are military words to describe those who keep watch and protect a city or a fortress. And isn't this a comfort to our souls? That we are guarded first and foremost by the sovereign almighty power of God against which nothing in all the universe can overcome. David knew this truth from the depths of his being. And he said this, Psalm 18, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. David knew that if, if, he, if God protected him, no one, no one, nothing can touch him. Right? If God be for us, then who can be against us? And he's applying that uh, to the idea of, of uh, our eternal security. And Paul knew this truth too, Romans 8.31 And this has to be then our confidence in times of trial, our anchor in the storms, our victory amidst the battle. By way of application, let me also point out how we are guarded through faith for salvation. It's the perfect complement here to God's power. Faith is trusting not in our power, but on God's. Faith is confessing our weakness and looking to God for protection. Robert Layton says this, uh, a Bible uh, commentator. He says, The soul that relies on self-confidence and vain presumption in its own strength is exposed to all kinds of danger. Faith is a humble, self-denying grace. It makes the Christian nothing in himself, and it makes God everything. The weakest people who are inside a strong place Even women and children, while they may not be able to resist the enemy on their own, will be safe so long as the place they are in has sufficient strength to hold out. Thus, the weakest believer is safe because through believing, he is within the strongest of all defenses because faith has the victory. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying that if you trust that the Lord is your fortress, no one, nothing can touch you. But when we don't trust him, what we're doing is we're kind of walking outside the walls of his safety, trying to protect uh, ourselves in our own power. And we will always succumb. So faith is hiding ourselves behind the impregnable walls of God's love and security. That's what faith is. And I hope that brothers and sisters, friends, whatever circumstances, whatever trials and tribulations, whatever fears and anxieties, uh, whatever may happen to you that you feel like you are not up to and you wonder what's going to happen to me, uh, trust in the Lord. Let him be your fortress and he will protect you. Because if he is with you, if he's for you, then who can be against you? Nothing. Nothing. So when we are in the worst of trouble, when Satan is chasing us like Pharaoh, Pharaoh's on our heels uh, to bring us back into slavery, when we are tempted to fall, 
tempted to sin, and it feels like all the forces of evil are just about to grab you. Flee to the fortress and rock of your salvation. Flee to the refuge of God's power and safety. Flee and run to Jesus. He will keep you safe. The Lord does all this for our salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And what ties all the strands of our passage together, the hope of new life and the hope of eternal security, is the phrase, is this phrase at the center of it all. The heart of the Christian hope comes to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His resurrection power raised us from death to life. His resurrection power gives us our inheritance and salvation. Through his resurrection, we have it all because it is itself our living hope. Do you see that? It is the hope of life, the living hope of life beyond death, life after death, life through death in resurrection hope and glory. The hope uh, then that you and I celebrate uh, today on this Easter Sunday. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, What is your hope in life? Is your hope something that can be taken away? Is your hope in uh, power that you accrue, a reputation that you build up for yourself, money that you are saving, uh, a house that uh, grows in value, stocks uh, that uh, go up and down with the market, something that someone can take away from you uh, means that it is not secure enough. And what the Apostle Peter's uh, calling us to is put your hope in something far more secure. And, uh, and it begins by putting your hope in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that has already been done for us. And it's just a matter of waiting to when he returns that he will give us that same hope of eternal life, of resurrection from the dead. And so I feel like um, what, what, uh, what the Apostle Peter is doing here is he's telling us, you know, you have a trust. <laughs> you know, the, the rich, you know, I have a friend who, um, who works with uh, uh, accounting for billionaires. And uh, what they do is they set aside all the billions of dollars that um, that they have crude and they, could, they, they can never spend it in their lifetime because it's so much money. And so they put it aside into a trust for their children and grandchildren and however many other generations of children will come after them because it's so much money. And so they set it aside and they guarantee that trust and they tell their children, you know, when you reach a certain age, this is, will be all yours. Or when I die, I'll, you will receive all of this. What Peter is telling us here, uh, the hope that ought to drive us, uh, and not to lose hope, but to, to live in hope, is that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
it will all be ours in its due time. And therefore, you can live by that guarantee and by that hope. And all because Jesus died and rose again to give you an inheritance through that resurrection, undefiled, unfading, imperishable, which no one can touch. And it is waiting for you. And you will receive it when Jesus returns. Let, let that hope drive you to joy, to worship, to persevere, whatever the circumstances. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for uh, the hope uh, of, a, of a, an eternal inheritance through, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his resurrection. Lord, teach us then to live by that hope. Uh, Lord, of new life, of eternal security, and, and of an inheritance, an inheritance uh, imperishable. Bless us, Lord, uh, as we sing your praises. Uh, Lord, may it be the hope of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>